0: Myself.
1: My name is The Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
2: Because they came to Whose House? You like that?
1: You like that? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Let's play some- Rain man,
3: good to go. Hey coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I have an English muff if You got one. What's that? No, no go ahead, Wait, I'm
1: ready. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is the Sports Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Scoot.
3: Scoot. Well, I believe it's the start of Mardi Gras. First of all, the NHL trade deadline officially passed as of two minutes ago which means you're going to see some stuff trickling out over the next hour or so. One would have to... uh Uh-oh, there's one right now. Robin Leonard traded it to the Vegas Golden Knights. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry, from the Blackhawks. Wow, I almost read that backwards, but no, I read that correctly. As I said, NHL trade deadline. Things are going to start to trickle in, which is fantastic for us because we got a lot to get to today, including something on the trade deadline. Give me 10 seconds, and I'll tell you what that is, because Jerry McNamara will join us, as he does every Monday, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. So we'll break that down at about 3.30. But that brings me right to the trade deadline, and a uh, just a perfect guy to talk about with this. Let's welcome the voice of the Los Angeles Kings, Alex Faust, onto the phone today. A good friend from back in the day. Not only uh, at one point was he the voice of, was it Northeastern Basketball, Alex?
4: Yeah, Northeastern basketball, Northeastern hockey at one point, but uh, jackhams many trades, I guess. Uh,
3: also, some tennis, the Australian Open recently. What else are you calling besides Los Angeles Kings hockey and rumored to be the next Alex Trebek?
4: Well, you know, I was thinking of picking uh, up <laughs> cornhole on my uh, off day, but uh, I, I was advised by uh, by some folks of the team. You know, you probably should should take time off of work. So, you know what, I'll, I'll oblige.
3: So basically, let me give you a little bit of a background here. Alex Fowle a good friend. We go back a number of years now because at one point he was also a voice of the Utica Comets here in Central New York calling AHL hockey games in and around the same time as Brendan Burke. Uh, so basically what that means is you have some experience calling games against the Syracuse Crunch as we're being heard in ah, Syracuse yeah. right now. Uh Give us a recollection of Syracuse Crunch Utica Comets memories uh, right off the top of your head.
4: Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite memories just from from my time in Utica was that game of the Carrier Dome uh, that those two teams played, and I, I was lucky enough to be on the call for that. And on the call on television in central New York was Dan Duva, who remains a good friend of mine and is now the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, so it's always fun to catch up with him. So between me and Dan and Brendan, uh, Doug Plagans, who's the radio voice of the Panthers, uh, we've got – and, and – uh, Derek Wills, the radio voice of the Flames, and we, we have so many guys from one era in time—you know, from a five-six-year span—who all worked in the AHL at the same time. It's all—it's awesome to catch up with these guys in, in the league as we go. How
3: About that saucer pass, all
4: yeah, over the yeah, place, Scoop. Yeah. Go,
2: Alex. I imagine when you were at Northeastern, never in your wildest imaginations would you have thought you were going to share the mic with Snoop Dogg. Not once, but it's twice <laughs> now, right? A, a, King, a King's
4: call with Snoop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a, well, that's, that's LA for you, right? (laughs) It perfectly encapsulates Los Angeles. Um, and and, he obviously he's a LA native, uh, grew up in Long Beach, but, uh, yeah, that's always a a fun experience. And, and I think, uh, speaks to, you know, how much fun we like to have out here and just try, try different things, shake things up and, uh, you know, not be afraid to, to let loose a little bit on our shows. Hockey can be kind of a stuffy environment at times, but, uh, but when we're able to have fun, it, it really uh, lets us just just relax a bit.
3: Alex Faust is the voice of the Los Angeles Kings here with us on the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio ninety seven point seven and one hundred point one. Alex, let me just give everybody a, a little snippet here. Of Snoop on a broadcast with you guys.
1: Snoop Snoopadelic, I'm good, baby. Thank you all for having me. I love L.A.
3: I mean, this is my city, baby. It loves me like I love L.A. Man, go hard, man. Play like it's your last
2: game, and have fun while you out there. So try- oh, watch out on the way to. Hold on, quick, get that out of there. play that deep, quick. I like those masks when they be putting all that fly stuff on the top. Yeah. of oh, That may be the next thing. Let me design the mask for the goalie. We ain't having that, Logan. Get up out of here with all that. We need that. I need that about your cookies. We call that cookies when we take it from the cookies. Don't play with it. Lay on it. Lay on it so you can stay on it and we can play on it. That's locked up. That's locked up. Lock it down. Lock him up. Oh, good move. He shook him up. Yeah, broke he broke his
4: ankles. A oh, little ankle breaker there, huh? Oh, that was cold. You, <laughs> see, that? you see that move in the he play? Cross him bit. over, huh? <laughs> I didn't know they had to cross over on this. Yeah. <laughs> he crossed him over. Yeah. Oh, that
2: was nice. Ain't nothing like being at the Kings hockey game. This is, this is phenomenal.
3: Alex, have you... Thought about you and Jim expanding this to a three person booth from now on?
4: (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Put put bluntly, no. uh, It's fun to do. uh, and, And, you know, he actually got a contract, from what I understand, after we did this thing last year to work with EA Sports on their video game. I auditioned for the gig at EA Sports a couple of years ago to do the game, and Snoop got it. Uh, before I did, so, uh, that was kind of funny to see him. but he, but he's, he's great, he's an awesome character. He, he's really uh, uh, a huge proponent of youth sports. We talked a lot with him about that on, on the program as well. Uh, but loves hockey. You know, he's, he wears the jersey of whatever team gives them a jersey uh, that night in the arena, but uh, he's just he's a big fan of the game. It, probably perfect encapsulation of a casual fan of hockey, loves the action, loves the sport. Probably couldn't tell you all the intricacies about it, but loves it just the same, and, and we love him for that.
3: Alex, uh, we've just passed the trade deadline. We can start with the Toffoli trade. Uh, we can go from there. Uh, scoop, uh, obviously, a lot of moving parts right now. It's going to affect not just the NHL rosters, but the AHL rosters, and one specifically could even be the Utica Comets that Alex had called games for at one point.
2: Yeah, and I imagine your, your phone is probably going to be buzzing and vibrating as, as you do this interview because of all these Bits of breaking news from the NHL. But talk a little bit about Tyler Topoli and the Kings so far this season.
4: Yeah, you know, the Kings have had a disappointing season. I think from the beginning of the year, they telegraphed that if things didn't go well for them, they would be big-time sellers of the trade deadline, and they lived up to it. They traded not only Toffoli, they traded Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell to Toronto. Campbell is the backup there now. He might be the number one, given what happened with that Zamboni driver the other night. Um, but the the whole situation with uh, the Kings is just you know they're trying to get assets for the future. They're an older team. They need to get younger. They need to get faster. And let's be clear: even in their situation with all the draft picks that they had, they they really don't have a number one superstar waiting in the wings just yet. I think this draft is going to be super key for them, uh, and they're hoping that a couple of lottery balls fall their way. But you talk about uh, Vancouver and the Topoli situation. Uh, and even the trickle down effect with Utica. I know Michael Furlan had a little coni- conditioning stint down there, um, but it, it, like his his injury situation hasn't improved very much. And I think Vancouver is looking to take some of those assets that they've stockpiled through their farm system. We've heard for years how Jim Benning has has really worked together a strong farm system, uh, and it's paid off in spades with with the guys they've been able to call up to Vancouver. Uh, and, and make a strong team. I mean, that's a team that might win the division now, and you can thank a lot of the work that Travis Green, lading the foundation, Utica, uh, and what he's been able to pass on to that current coaching staff and how the Canucks have really been committed to Utica as a market. I know out here you know, we have so many uh, Western teams now in the AHL, but Vancouver has remained committed to that Utica market, and I think it speaks to, to how strong the fan base here and how uh, committed they are locally to to making it work.
3: Even out there on the West Coast, uh, of course, we're, we're in the Syracuse market, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning's farm team, the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, that is a team that has been playing, back to playing basically what they were and how they were last year, playing some great hockey lately. I know you've paid attention to that. Uh, comment on that, and of course, just overall uh, what you're noticing as the trade deadline is just settling in and just having passed.
4: Well, the Metropolitan Division, uh, a lot of activity there. The Devils uh, sending Wayne Simmons out of there. Um, they also traded Sammy Votman today. The Rangers re-signing Chris Kreider. That was, and I know there are a ton of Ranger fans uh, in Central New York. Yep. I think that's a big sigh of relief. And honestly, uh, going into the day, I was, I would have been shocked if they traded him. I know that all the talk was, well, they got to move in, They're not sure if they're a playoff team. I think at the end of the day, uh, they were so close, it would send the wrong message to the guys in that room that they're going to trade away one of their best players and one of their best leaders just because they're going to fall a couple points shy of the playoffs. I think it sends a huge statement from John Davidson that he believes in that group and can commit to them for the long haul. It wasn't easy. It came down to the wire, but you saw how the Rangers, for the most part, stood pat at the trade deadline. I know there was a late rumor that they were going to move Brady away, but... Um, so far, I haven't seen a trade call put in uh, on Shea just yet. I've been watching. I'm sure as you guys have uh, TSN and Sportsnet to try to keep up with all of it. But uh, as of yet, it seems like the Rangers pretty much held pat. And uh, obviously, the the scary news of the uh, the car crash earlier today yeah. uh, involving uh, Shosturkin and, and Buchnevich, I, I I wonder how much of an impact that would have had, and whether they could have moved uh, Georgiev, and whether that was part of their plans initially.
3: Yeah, I absolutely was wondering the same thing. I was a little bit shocked when I read that their press conference was at 11 o'clock Eastern this morning with John Davidson. Sports Daily Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We have Alex Faust on the phone. He is play-by-play in voice and a good friend. Formerly uh, calling games for the Utica Comets and against the Syracuse Crunch. L.A. Kings brings up a city. Uh, of course, the Staples Center was in memoriam of Kobe Bryant today. It's a, a very heavy, heavy heart for a lot of people in Los Angeles. I'm sure you'll have comments on that. Uh, When you get back on the air, the next game is against Pittsburgh. So, Alex, I wanted to put that out there, but I know that it's not necessarily something we need to comment on today. I think we need to let that sit with a lot of people. It's ongoing. So I want to ask you about the Kings specialty jerseys, those purple ones to lighten the mood. And I want to ask you to tell us about your experience with the stadium series in Colorado. So there's a little two-parter for you.
4: All right, well, first let's start with the, uh, the whole Kobe Bryant thing. Uh, yeah, I'm just like many in L.A. who are actually advised to watch on their couches because the whole scene down at L.A. Live, let me tell you, I, I've never seen anything like that from an athlete in a city. Um, I, I came back from Australia, and I, my first game back, I was like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't working. It was an NBC Sports Network game, and I wasn't working that game. And I said, you know what? Let me just drive downtown. Let me just see what the scene is like. And I was overcome with emotion myself, just just watching that and watching the Lakers tribute. I, I watched a bit of the memorial this morning. Um, it's you know the the thing that maybe can be most relatable um, on a local scale to uh, as a former New Yorker was Thurman Munson um, way back in the day with sure. the New York Yankees. But I, I'm you know when you struggle to think of a global icon like that um, and. I I really can't think of one, and one who was so deeply connected to a city, even though he wasn't an L.A. native, but he he was regarded uh, as an Angelino. So just a really, really difficult day downtown, Um, and uh, an emotion. I was watching uh, Jimmy Kimmel earlier today, uh, and the words that he had they were very poignant. Um, As as far as kind of our world and and what I've gotten to do recently, uh, it was a real thrill to call the stadium series game, uh very different perspective. We got put up against the glass. Um, we, we had glass seats for the game, which also meant that we couldn't see half the ice because we were right next to the penalty box. Uh, so we had to rely on, a, on the monitor right next to us to see uh, kind of in the near corner uh, from us all the way to the right. Uh, but that was such a phenomenal experience. It, it's kind of interesting that two players uh, who played a key role in that game, Tyler Tapoli and Alec Martinez, that was the last game they ever played for the franchise. Um, But, uh, yeah, just what a great experience. And you know what, guys, I think would be a great spot for the next Stadium Series game. I know they've announced Carolina. I would love to see a Rangers-Vegas Golden Knights game at West Point, Mikey Stadium. Can you imagine what a setting that would be for an outdoor game?
3: Absolutely. I I co-sign that. I endorse that 100%. Uh, To lighten the mood a little bit more uh, and kind of let Kobe settle in, because it it is – there's a lot – that a lot of people still have to consume, and then they will on social media and a lot of feelings to be brought up with that. But those Purple Kings jerseys, um, let's just talk about this, because there's a lot of jersey fanatics out there. I I mean, I know you were a big fan of the the green third alternate with the Comets, and you know what, the Crunch just, just did a pride night, and the jerseys for those were, as they say, fire. But those Purple Kings jerseys, it made me go Marcel Dion, wow.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I, I think part of me would love to see the Kings in some form uh, reignite the the forum blue and gold of the Lakers. I mean, the Kings and Lakers have. We were talking about it last night on our program because it was the Lakers theme night uh, at the LA Kings game. The Lakers actually had a reciprocal Kings Day mm-hmm. for their game earlier. It was a doubleheader at Staples Center, and, and we were saying to ourselves, you know in some way, shape, or form, I understand the branding has changed, and there's a lot that, that you can't you know, go back to, but I think it would be cool to have the purple uh, or forum blue, if you want to call it, and gold as a regular feature in the Kings color palette because it is part of their history, and there's no other team uh, that uses those colors. Black and white um, it's, well I'll say this, it's kind of limiting sometimes with your wardrobe and, and your color palette <laughs> you can wear. But um, but I'd love to see a little bit more of the throwback stuff. We had we had our 80s jerseys uh, on, and we're, we're going to wear them one more time, uh, the Gretzky-era jerseys. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see a little bit more of the purple and gold.
2: Alex Faust calls games for the L.A. Kings. Uh, just your thoughts on this story about David Ayers, the 42-year-old Zamboni driver for the Marlies, an emergency goalie, gets called in. This is one of the biggest stories regarding hockey that I remember in some time. Uh, a feel-good story. He's on the Today Show this morning. They hook him up with his mom, who gave him a kidney transplant back in 2004. I mean, your thoughts on
4: this amazing feel-good story? Quickly, before I get to that, I, I, it was just posted to TSN. Brady, Brady Brady Shea to the Hurricanes for a first-round pick.
3: And Sammy Vatman, um, too.
4: Yeah. So uh, wow. So they're they're loading up on the blue line in Carolina. Uh, I'll let you guys digest that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'll say one great thing about the NHL is that you never know what's going to happen on any given night. I mean that that story would never happen in any other sport, uh, and you can't buy that kind of publicity. Uh, like I know we were talking at the beginning of the day of, of having uh, Snoop uh, on our show, and uh, you know the kind of fun that we had. But when you when it comes to a story like what we saw in Toronto with a guy, literally a former Zamboni driver um, brought in 42 years of age to save the day for a professional hockey team. I mean, that's, that's Hollywood stuff. And uh, only in our league do you get that. And I, I'm so I'm so happy it worked out for all parties involved, I guess, with the exception of the May police. Who are, <laughs> they're yeah. ready to burn everything down in Toronto right now. But uh, but what a fun story. I, I'm thrilled for for that family because uh, it, it seems like it was just a total thrill.
3: When it's on Good Morning America, you know it's a big deal exactly. pop culture-wise. Alex, thank you, as always, for the time. Uh, we'll reach out again real soon. You're always gracious enough to join us.
4: Appreciate it, boys. Thanks, Ryan.
3: Alex Faust, L.A. King's voice, play-by-play voice on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Wilder Fury was a big fight. We'll talk about that next. And
1: then GMAC joins us at about 3.30. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
2: Join Q Sports Talk on Twitch as the Syracuse Orange play host to UNC February 29th. Taking the watch party on the road live from the Pathfinder Bank broadcast booth at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. So as you watch the game on TV or listen on TK99, join the watch party with Syracuse legends Eric Devendorf, Trevor Cooney, and Roosevelt Bowie and get their instant reaction and thoughts to the game as it unfolds. And as you watch party live from the Pathfinder Bank broadcast booth at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. February 29th, it's uh, Saturday, right? Scoop, that, right? that fight, that
3: fight, good. By the way, twitch.tv slash talk. Thank you very much. Uh, by the way, that's where you can watch us right now. You'll be able to see Jerry McNamara's face when he joins us in just a couple of minutes. You're able to see what Alex Faust looks like, or you can always go back and watch at any point in time. But, yeah, I jumped the gun on that. But that Wilder Fury fight, number two, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, it it really lived up to the hype. It was good. First of all, their entrances were amazing. Uh, And then, of course, is it going to spawn a third fight, a trilogy? There's a possibility. Uh, It was successful. You didn't see anybody after the fact on social media. I didn't get the fight, but you're able to, like, watch all the highlights, and you can pretty much watch the entire fight online, which is kind of what I did after the fact. But man, he's a big boy, Tyson Fury. First of all, six foot seven. Uh, very gracious afterwards in in being victorious. He didn't. You know, some guys they have that certain bravado, that ego. He didn't, man. But he gave like nine million dollars to help the homeless. Yeah, but he turned on Deontay Wilder. He's like, you're a great fighter, man. You know, you're going to win again. You're going to get another title. You're going to get your chance. He was like almost grateful for the fight because he's been in a dark place. If you're familiar with Tyson Fury, what he's battled back from. It was just a great fight. Everybody was happy with the fight. It delivered. Should it have ended a little bit sooner than the seventh round? That's also up for debate. I like how it delivered memes, like instantaneously. Like that
2: warped face with the the lip, like, looked like it was going to go into orbit around his head. You know, that, that just marred, slugged face. That everybody, you know, I saw people making Toronto Maple Leafs memes out of that, you know, to make fun of the fact that they lost to uh, David Ayers and the Canes, a 42 year old Zamboni driver.
3: Who had a kidney transplant. Did you, did you see the one with Wilder's lip like sideways? Yes. Is yes. that the one you kind of referred yeah. to? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, oof. Joe Tessator of Syracuse University, broadcaster for Monday Night Football, but also a great boxing analyst and commentator. He said that he thinks that Wilder's Corner made the right
4: choice when they did. There is no issue with that stoppage at all. Mark Breland absolutely did the right thing. It is very different, and I hope it came across okay for the family watching on TV. But when you are seated up against that ring apron, you are seeing, hearing, sensing the damage far differently than when you're watching on TV. That was an absolute mauling, not in a boxing kind of way. That was the kind of mauling, like a ballroom ball movie scene where guys are laid out afterwards.
3: Deontay Wilder, of course, the heart of a champion, he wanted to go on, and you've seen, I'm sure, a video of that after the fact. But they made the right call. Listen, it's your life after the fact, uh, long term, and you don't want anything seri- any serious damage done. Because Tyson Fury, I mean, he beat him up pretty good. At the end of the day, he beat him up pretty good. Scoop, you think there's going to be a third fight, though?
2: Yeah, it's a big payday. And I mean, it, the talk about the third fight was almost instantaneous. And it's also.
3: Which is just an indication of how happy I think people were with the ex- fight. Exactly right. And how often are we having conversations about heavyweight fights in boxing? We talked about it on Friday. Not very often. First time in a long time that I remember it even
2: being. I mean. Cleco, there's some guys that, that have kind of captured uh, the the minds of people over the years, but nothing like this. It just hasn't.
3: Joe Testator once again on whether or not you're going to see a trilogy. In other words, Wilder Fury three.
4: Wilder shouldn't do it, but I believe Wilder will do it. And the division has always been dev- defined. By great rivalries, the history division going back a hundred plus years is always defined by rivalries. The money is built to have a trilogy. I mean, mega, mega money. This
1: thing was huge.
3: Uh, I would definitely like to see that fight. Jerry McNamara is going to join us next, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union, to talk SU basketball. He does this every Monday. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show.
1: It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
3: Coach Jerry McNamara joins us, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union, every single Monday right around 3.30 here on ESPN Radio. And just overall, Jerry, you have to be feeling just so good about that win Jim said it best: a tremendous tribute to those five guys. Take us inside the locker room for halftime. When it was really, it was the guys that got it done themselves. Elijah walking around the room, everybody supporting each other, and then you get back out on the court, and JG three seemed, uh, Joe Girard seemed to just jumpstart everything. But take us from there.
0: Well, we didn't have much. We didn't have much positive in the first half. You know, when you think about what we shot from the field, the way we defended. You know, and then you're looking at 11-point you know, deficit. I think the big thing is when you're in a situation like that is you have to look at things on the brighter side because they're not, you know, you, you could talk about so much negative. But, you know, I think our guys felt like, listen, we played as poor as we could play and we're still within 11 points. Uh, it's something that, you know, I said to Joe, I said, listen, man, in you know, the way we shoot it in two possessions, you could change this game. You know, that's how that's how you have to break it down and simplify things and, you know, to their credit, they came out and responded in the second half. Uh, Joe hits the early three, and then next possession hits a little floater. And next thing you know, you're in a two-possession game. Uh, you know, and we got it to one, and they responded on a 5 all run, and I think they put the lead back to six, and we responded again. So, you know, our guys have fought all year. I think that was the hard thing to take from the Louisville game is, you know, I, I thought we fought. We just didn't fight you know uh, intelligently we didn't we didn't have any positive things going for us they operated so well and we extended our defense and they put it in the high post and then in the short corner. we just didn't really ever make a push to make that you know that one quite a game but we've done it all year you know when, when, when we've been in situations where we've been given 10 point deficits our guys have, have continued to scratch a claw and make it a game and Uh, We were able to, I think the important thing with the other day was we were able to flip it quick. You know, we didn't go into the last five minutes still trying to change the game. We changed it the first three of the second half. And, and, you know, I turned to Red at one point and Griff during the start of the second half. said, we're in dogfight now. Credit to our guys to come out the way they did respond in the first few minutes of the second half and make that thing a basketball game.
3: Stubborn ability to never surrender was a great group of words put together that describes this team not just in the game the other day, but the, for the entire season scope.
2: Yeah, I thought Barama Sibide in the second half, it was interesting how it, just his ability to not foul out until there's about two minutes left, and he gets six points, grabs ten rebounds, three steals. Coach talked about how big that was, what an important component of the win that was. I Expound on that a little bit.
0: It was huge. I mean, if you go back to the, to the final play of the first half where Moses Wright scores... Baramba was in terrific defending legal position. Uh, Right swept to his right one dribble, and Baramba took contact right to his chest. And if you see our bench, we're screaming at him to take it. Uh, He was in perfect position to take an offensive foul. Uh, And then to start the second half, what does he do? He steps in front and takes a charge, and blocked multiple shots, grabbed multiple rebounds, got multiple putbacks. We feel like he could have actually even given us more in the second half. You know, he's capable of doing it. Uh, There was two offensive rebounds. I actually watched it again this morning. There was two offensive rebounds that he had an opportunity to get. Uh, So you're talking about a guy that could have went for 10, 12 points and and the amount of rebound steals, and and deflections he got. So I think the big thing for us is you think about what we did in the second half of that game and how we shot. I think it was 60-some percent from the field. And You know, the the great thing from our side of it was everybody contributed. You know, Barama played as well as, as he did in in quite some time, and we think he could be better. Uh, Marek, really, we felt kind of closed the game. We went to him and operated and let him isolate from 17 feet. Uh, Joe got us started, and then Buddy and Elijah controlled the middle part of that second half. So... Everybody played a role. Everybody contributed and played well. And, and when we do that, we're obviously a cl- completely different team and certainly showed in the second half of that game. And Georgia Tech's been playing really well. It's a good team. Uh, and they really have the components to beat our zone. With Obviously, Moses Wright was terrific, and he goes 14 for 17. You know, But we did a really good job. We never kind of let El Dorado get going. We never let DeVoe really get going. Banks, we kept him occupied, and he picked up some foul trouble, and he's a load. Parham can shoot it. So we kind of, you know, for the most part, other than Moses Wright going off, we did a pretty good job on the other components they have. and Big time team effort. You know, everybody contributed when it mattered most.
3: I don't think there's a lot of teams that this team can't beat when Marek plays the way that he does, doing a little bit of everything. First of all, hitting his free throws 12 out of 12. You'll take that every single game. Jerry McNamara here with us on the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio from Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. But then I also looked at Buddy not doing it from the three-point line, but something he's done in the past. He's gone into the lane. He's making those mid-range shots. He's taking advantage of a matchup, Jerry. Uh, Seemed like a key, as you said, when he got it going in the second half of the second half.
0: Yeah, huge. I mean, Buddy's huge for us. When he's scoring... It takes us to a different level. My rec scoring, it takes us to a different level. And to go back to your original statement, I, I don't think there's a team we can't beat when we play the way we did in the second half. For sure. When, when everybody contributes. Um, when we're complete, we're, we're as competitive as anybody. So, you know, Bud has done a good job. You know, he's, he's really expanded his game. He's worked hard. You know, when no one's looking, when, when, when it's the offseason, you know, during the season, he comes in and gets his work in. He's always trying to piggyback and improve his body. And kinda, you know, add pieces. You know, he's worked on the turnaround jump shot. Uh, we've worked on angles, being able to create a new one off of aggression. We've gone off the bounce quite a bit because we knew how he was going to be defended and at six six, you know, there's gonna be some favorable options for him when he gets into twelve to seventeen feet, when he could be able to back people down and shoot over the top. When you have the personnel we have, when you have guys off the ball like Elijah Hughes and Joe Girardi who are capable of shooting and vice versa, if those guys are going off and you have Buddy Bahim Given them some room to operate, so we've worked hard on that area where we can get in there. And you know, I don't believe in that. Uh, you know, the mid-range shot is dead. I don't believe in that. Uh, I Believe in y- y- you got to take high-quality shots and any way you can, any which way you could score a basket, we're going to try to take advantage of it. And we've done that. Buddy's done a really good job of that. Joe's added to his floater game. Elijah, we saw him when he got in the paint in the second half had the little eight-foot floater off the glass. So there's certain areas with the way we're being defended that we can capitalize and, and utilize. And, you know, when those guys get going, and Buddy in particular, when he's going heavy and and he's shooting the ball and he's scoring, it's it can come in a flurry. He's, he's, uh, he's really improved. There's no doubt about it.
3: Jerry, there's been an unprecedented amount of number ones this year. And you look at the overall state of college basketball, but then just look within the ACC – and you know, everybody gets down on this team at different points this year, but I've said it to you before and you know this about me. I'm a homer and I always believe in, in the process and the glass is half full, you know, and I bleed the orange and I drink the orange Kool-Aid. And I think the ACC is wide open this year. It's, it's not, there's not, it's not top heavy as in, you know, some years past. And I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think that you can see the path. I kind of asked you that last week, but I want to ask you that again.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I I agree with you. I'm never down and out. I mean, it's right in front of us a little bit. The thing I don't agree with the most out of what the narrative has been created is that the league is really down. I just don't believe it. You know, I've I've watched other leagues play, and the teams in our league are capable. I mean, you look at what Clemson's capable of doing. You look at what Georgia Tech, the team where we just beat, is capable of doing. Yeah, I think there's one or two teams in there that you know you can make the argument for as it's down, but. I've looked around college basketball and I've watched these games. I, I just don't agree with the narrative. Um, you know, I, I know where we're sitting. I know what's in front of us, and and I've been a part of it. You know, I've told our guys that. Yes, uh, yes. Listen, man, I've, I've I've been a part of teams that have been in similar situations. I've coached teams that have been in situations like this. I've played on teams that have been in situations like this, and things can change quickly, and teams can change qu- very, very quickly. I've, you know, I thought. The 2013 season to me as a coach is one of the most rewarding years of my life going into the Big East tournament. I think we lost four of our last five going in. And next thing you know, coach makes an adjustment of what we were doing offensively and we just exploded. Yeah, I remember. Um, End up making, you know, the championship game lose to Louisville and end up making the final four with Louisville. So it's such a learning experience and every year is different, but memories like that to me, learning experiences are what I carry forward and what you can teach the next guys that you're that you're coaching that listen we've been here before this is something that I've gone through uh, you can't hang your head it's about the next game and you know I know it's in front of us we got four left and three on the road which we've played well on the road and uh, two of those teams teams that we've played already and and you never know what could happen you, who knows you win those four you're sitting at 12 and 8 and you're sitting at 19 wins and you go to the ACC and hey let's see what happens so I don't count guys out, especially teams that that are willing to fight, and our guys have certainly been in that mold. We've, we've fought all year, so you know I, I expect nothing less. These guys are going to turn around and fight for it.
3: Absolutely, Jerry. GMAC, Jerry McNamara with us here on the Illustrated Show ESPN Radio, courtesy of Drivers Village and Empower Federal Credit Union. I want to take you back to a guy you used to play basketball with by the name of Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if you saw cool. the— Um, A guy, Carmelo, I think, I I think he's still playing. For some reason, he wasn't in the league for about 14 months, which boggles my mind. Uh, He schooled Zion the other day. I don't know if you happen to see that highlight, with little jabs. It was ridiculous. And then, of course, he turns around and drops 32. Just tell these people that doubt, Mello, how wrong they are, please. I think he's uh, proven that point Yeah. Um, for an entire season. I was the one sitting
0: behind and saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. But now it's just great to see him be where he loves to be and do what he loves doing and do it at a high level. I think when you see him and you see his footwork, you know, young guys, young players should try to emulate what he's capable of doing with how he moves his feet and how he's able to move people and jab at them and, create space to, to either set up a shot or set up a straight line angle draw to use his body. We saw what he did to Zion. He opened him up, ball faked, opened him up again, and created a wide-open shot. His footwork is terrific. And, you know, then I, I think it was last night, gets the little short 17-footer off the flip from McCollum and hits the game winning. Yes, he did. You know, to put to put that game back to four points, I think it was a two-point game. That's right. Yeah, I'm just happy for him. You know, I talked to him this summer and then had a chance to sit with him for, for – quite a long time when he came up this year. Um, And it was shortly after that that Portland had picked him up. So I'm just happy for him. He told me he was ready. Uh, He certainly proved that. And Listen, at the end of the day, I felt like the guy was kept out of the league for whatever narrative that had been created. He wasn't this or he wasn't that. Let's let's appreciate greatness when we see it. The guy's been terrific. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, when you have that skill set, I don't care if you lose a step or two because of father time. When you have a skill set of that, yeah, you could play for a very, very long time at a high level, and he's certainly proved his point. Yeah,
3: and he's not done. He's got a couple more in him for sure. I totally believe that. Real quick, last thing, condolences to part of the Q's family. Eric Dungy lost his father, to- and I just was wondering if you wanted to comment for everybody or would.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, my my wife and I talked about this last night. She was actually in tears reading the article. And yeah, You know, it's, it's a tough situation. It's a de- disease that we've obviously been affected by. Everybody has. It's unfortunate you know eric is one of the toughest cats to ever come through this university and anybody that watched him play football appreciated how he approached every game with just absolute fearlessness you know the, the toughness that you try to instill in your own children And listen to his quotes about how this is the man that he looked up to and, and you know made him the man he is today it's yeah. you know that's how i feel about my own dad and, uh, he was my hero growing up and i'm sure eric's was his father so it's you know, our condolences go out to him, the Dungey family, and you know, obviously it's a loss for our, our Syracuse community and someone that we care deeply about. So uh, it's a tough situation when you lose a, a parent, especially one that's played such a major role in your life.
3: Jerry, thank you for sharing your words on that, and always appreciate the time every single Monday. Have a great rest of your day, okay? You too. Thank you, guys. It's the one and only Jerry McNamara. Nice enough to join us every Monday right here on the Sportszilla Show on
1: ESPN Radio. It's the Sportszilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop.
2: Saturday, join us for the Pathfinder Bank Fan Fest at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott, Syracuse downtown. The action starts at 2 with the pregame show. Then at 4, stick around for the twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk watch party, followed immediately after by a post-game show. All of this is hosted by Syracuse legends Trevor Cooney, Roosevelt Bowie, and Eric Devendorf, the Pathfinder Bank Fan Fest, at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown from ESPN Radio Syracuse.
3: I'd like to state that I am ecstatic for Tiana Mangakaya being able to return to practice. I'd also like to thank Alex Faust uh, for commenting on the Kobe Bryant Memorial today, which I'm going to absorb later on tonight. And I'm going to just... See what's out there in social media. I'm sure you'll be able to rewatch the entire thing.
2: Well, the, the one thing that s- strikes me is that uh, Michael Jordan made a joke uh, about, you know, I told my wife I wasn't going to cry because I didn't want to see that crying Jordan meme for another three or four years. And he got a laugh. So there, you know, there, there are some moments of levity, but there's a lot of tears today.
3: There's a little bit of irony in that. Now they're going to make a new meme out of that. You know, that's going to happen to him. Louis Domingue, former Crunch goalie, is actually part of a trade going to the parent club of bitter rival the Utica Comets. Yes, he's going to probably be backing up Thatcher Demko for the Vancouver Canucks, so there's a lot of moving parts. The NHL trade deadline passed at 3 o'clock, and it, of course, affects our local vested sports interest. I want to thank GMAC for joining us like he does on Mondays, Uh, but let's just stop off today speaking of irony with a quick comment on this Major League Baseball cheating scandal, Scoop. Did you see, I know you did, and everybody else did, the Astros had representatives at their spring training game this weekend stealing signs from fans about stealing signs.
2: Yeah, and and I can't remember exactly what the signs said, but they seemed rather innocuous to me. They weren't profane, and it just sort of underscored a severely thin skin on the part of the Astros organization. It's just kind of
3: ridiculous if you ask me. I'm like, just leave it alone. You made a bigger deal out of it by doing that than if you just let it be. Because you know what? They get get an inning into the game. They're not going to hold the signs up all game. They're going to put them down. Everybody's going to move on. But because you made a big deal out of it, now it got national attention, and it was trending all over social media. For Yankees fans, Garrett Cole is actually going to pitch – Today actually it might have already happened. I've got to catch up with the Yankees, but he was throwing today. I think it was a one o'clock game, so it might have already happened. I think he threw an inning, is what it was. But I'm excited. I want to go back and watch it later on. I got to get some some video, haven't had a chance to with trying to keep up with everything going on here today. It's been a busy sports day on a Monday, isn't it
2: weird? It's that and it's that NHL trade deadline is uh, just creating my Twitter feed frenzy here. You know,
3: things happening left and right. So we got to make way for Brent Axe on the block. I'm sure he's got a couple comments on that. I'm sure he's got a lot on the Syracuse game. That was great to see him get that win. I'm anxious to see what happens on Wednesday. I'm just very proud of this team for persevering and for continuing to fight and trying to finish off games till the end. And they did it the other day with a great comeback against Georgia Tech. We're out of here, Scoop. Back again tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Any last words? You got two seconds. Uh, Snoop Dogg is the bomb, and so's David Ayers. Yeah, fair enough. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.